so last week we kind of made it uh, more than halfway through chapter 10 of Romans as we've kind of been on a several several week run here uh, on studying election. Um, we have we have seen this transition um, from chapter nine, um, kind of this narrowing focus of election, and then um, towards the end of chapter nine, early uh, chapter ten, we see this. Um, we're on this. We're in the same. We're in the same path. We're pushing towards the same idea. This idea that that Paul lays forward in chapter nine, verse six. But it is not as though the word of God has failed. Um, and then he proceeds to explain to us why it is that the word of God has not failed, uh, particularly in the falling away or the apparent falling away of the very people that the promises were made to. Um, and then that that latter part of nine, we get this glimpse of like um, the 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 hope of the gospel in um like for the nations as as a whole and um the preaching of the gospel being um something critical to faith and belief um last week we kind of hit one of my favorite runs in um in the book of romans where um romans chapter 10 verse uh 14 how will they uh call on him whom they've not believed and how are they to believe in him and whom they've never heard and how are they to hear without someone preaching and how are they to preach unless they are sent as it is written how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news so like we get in this in this run of scripture um, that digs into so many difficult uh, to to wrestle with ideas we see this we see this uh, beautiful um, run um, pointing us again to how could someone believe? How will they believe? What's the answer? You hear the word. So if, as we get into this and, and as we've been looking at it and we tend to focus on hardening, if you're concerned for someone's salvation, what ought you be doing? Share the gospel with them. That is the only hope that they have. In verse 17 of chapter 10, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. How will someone believe if they don't know what it is that they ought to believe? It is critical for us to carry the gospel to the ends of the earth. This is not a command that was given to the first and early church, and then we ought to drop the ball on that. This is a command for us as well to go and share the gospel. Without the gospel, there is no hope for salvation. All right? And then Paul starts shifting um, back to this question, right? Um, But what about the Jews? Right? What about the Jews? And there is in chapter 11 what I would consider to be a pretty good, like he gives a statement in chapter 11 that is a pretty good summary of everything that he's, um, that he's trying to uh, tell us in 9, 10, and 11. So we're just going to peek at it real quickly, um, and then we're going to go back and we'll just press forward through the, the text until we get there. So 11, 
Romans chapter 11, verse 7. This could, you could kind of put this as a summary statement um, over everything that he's been trying to, to give us so far. Um, verse 7. What then? Israel failed to obtain what it was seeking. The elect obtained it, but the rest were hardened. Okay, so as we start pressing into this text today, we're going to see him kind of shifting back towards this kind of current event that he's experiencing himself, this um, temporary hardening of the Jews. And he's going, to, he's going to continue on kind of explaining that. So as we press back into these difficult ideas, um, I want us to hold close the true reality that we find in 17 of chapter 10. So faith comes from hearing and not just hearing what any old person might stand up and say, but hearing through the word of Christ. Right? This is the gospel message. You cannot come to God Apart from Christ, the Jews in all that they were doing were attempting to do the impossible. They were attempting righteousness by their own efforts, by their own work. They were attempting righteousness to gain righteousness by following the law. When the law was purposed to show us our need for Christ. So as we kind of press on today from, um, from that passage there in verse 17 to chapter 10, we're going to see Paul make this shift back and then continue um, in answering this. A couple of things that I want to point us towards that we're not going to get to today uh, but we'll get into next week, is Paul ultimately makes some statements here that are prophetic in the latter part of this run. He essentially is telling us that there will come a day when this hardening that has happened to the Jews will result in the calling of the Jews and the grafting back in of the, of this nation, like he gives us these um, these in, interesting prophetic um, words as we kind of uh, press on, and this that'll be something that we hit um, probably next week if we if we stay on time this week at least. Uh, so be be reading ahead and, and looking at that. Um, so Romans chapter ten verse eighteen. But I ask, have they? not heard okay so he gives us this so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of christ and then he asks as we ought to ask this is the natural flow of the way that we should be thinking when we're thinking about the situation paul is not avoiding it paul's not sidestepping it he puts this out there i say to you you hear the word and through that faith right you hear the word about Christ, and faith comes from that hearing. And then he says, but, but, nonetheless, the reality is, who did Jesus 
come preaching this to first? His own people who rejected him, right? So he asks, as I read through this, as I see Paul going like consistently approaching these questions, like being able to bring up exactly what we ought to be thinking when we hear these things, I think to myself, Paul clearly wrestled with this truth for years to come to this type of to be able to establish this type of argument when he's now giving it as this foundational hope for why we can hope for all the promises in chapter 8. Paul has asked himself these very questions. How many public and private conversations did he have? Yes, yes, yes. Like this, his understanding of election that we start really getting into in chapter 11 as he starts giving us more and more clarity about what he sees is going on, no doubt came from much wrestling, much like as a, as someone who was a Jew who had been trained in this, who knew the word backwards and forwards, he must have no doubt seen this stumbling block, right? It must have been so clear to him once God opened his eyes to it on the road to Damascus, and then he, him wrestling with why, Lord, why, Lord. And then we get this type of, this type of uh, response from someone who has spent no little time digging in and trying to wrestle with these realities. Um, one of the things that we ought to have already taken note of, um, if, it, if it happened to pass you by, go back and look at 9, 10, and, and here in 11, at how much Paul references Old Testament Scripture as he's giving his argument for what God's doing here. But he, because he does that very same thing um, as, as we kind of get into this latter part of, of verse 18 here. So he says, But I ask, have they not heard? And then he, he responds, Indeed, they have, and quoting Scripture here, For their voice has gone out to all the earth and their words to the end of the world. But I ask, did Israel not understand? So hearing, understanding. He says, and then to answer this, he, he then goes in. This is where he goes into like the purpose for this hardening that he sees occurring to Israel in this moment. Right? He starts this like, have they not heard? Now, if you were to go and look at that particular quote that he gets that um, in the latter part of 18, their voice has gone out to all the earth and their words to the end of the world. He takes an Old Testament scripture that's speaking to um, God being known in creation, right? And he takes that and moves it laterally here, like, and uses it specifically for, like, them having no excuse because all opportunity for hearing this truth has been made known to them. That first they have creation as we all have to look and marvel at and say something must have done this that is powerful, right? But they also had the law. They specifically had God's word towards them. They are without excuse. So why then, right? They've heard. Have they not, underst have they not understood? Right. Yes. 
They pass that on every, to every generation. Generation after generation, they're passing so this on. It's heavy what they know. Yeah. The responsibility to yeah. respond in faith is yeah. very, yes. very heavy. Zero excuse from them. And then he quotes this text here. He says, first, Moses said, I will make you jealous of those who are not a nation. With a foolish nation, I will make you angry. Okay? So what's taking place here? <laughs> Everybody's got the same shirt. <laughs> Listen, we've been set up. We've all been <laughs> set up here. <laughs> We know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's 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 very like timely that we're on hardening today. So here, so here he's pointing out that, again, one of the things that he's been doing all along is trying to make clear that what is occurring, though many find it surprising, ought not be surprising. That though he himself, no doubt, wrestled with this, that when he came to the conclusions that he came to, that he came to them by looking at the very word that was given to them. Right? Like he's saying, I will make you jealous of those who are not a nation. With a foolish nation, I will make you angry. Quotation from the Old Testament. Okay, and then he goes on. Then Isaiah is so bold to say, I have been found by those who did not seek me, and I have shown myself to those who did not ask for me. Again, quoting from the Old Testament. Now, verse 21, But of Israel, he says, and he quotes from the Old Testament, Again, all day long I have held out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. So, so he's pointing us to where this ought not be a surprise, though it was, right? How oftentimes things surprise us that are there in front of us all along. This is the case here. One, so the first that he's given us in chapter 9 is that we see this narrowing down. Like the people of Israel are, that are part of that narrowing down, Right? We see it in our own people, you could say. And then we see it in the Word of God given to us. So now in verse 1 of chapter 11, he asks this. I ask then, has God rejected 
his people. And does he take three chapters to answer that? He immediately answers it, and then he gives details, right? So has God rejected his people? By no means. By no means. And then he explains what he means here, right? For I myself am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, a member of the tribe of Benjamin. So the first thing that he does here when pointing out has God rejected his people, he's like, no, I, I mean, I myself am an Israelite. If he had rejected us altogether, how could I find myself part of these believers, right? So clearly he's not rejected us completely as a nation. What, what then? Verse 2, God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. Do you not know what the scripture says of Elijah? So now again, what is he doing here? He's giving scripture after scripture after scripture to support this idea. Do you not know what the scripture says of Elijah? How he appeals to God against Israel. Verse 3 of chapter 11 here. Lord, they have killed your prophets, they have demolished your altars, and I alone am left, and they seek my life. But what does God reply to him? Do y'all know that story? Right? What does God reply? I have kept for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed a knee to Baal. Who kept them? Who kept them? God kept them. Okay, um, this is homework. This is homework. Go read, go read that, that he quotes that from. Go read where he quotes that from. Because we get the, I kept them. He prophesied that he would keep them, Right? Like, God has made promises that he will fulfill. Verse 5, so too. Now he's drawing this analogy. Just as God kept them, now so, so, so too, at the present time, there is a remnant. So this is not, the again, this is not the first time. He's trying to point us to these examples where this has been a pattern that God has established for us throughout history, throughout our nation, throughout the writing of His Word. So it ought not surprise us that God uses the same patterns now as He used before. So too, at the present time, there is a remnant. So those who remained, those who were Jewish and believed, why did they believe? I want, us, I want us to work this out a little bit. Why did they believe? Did they hear the word about Christ? Anyone, did, was there anyone amongst those who believed in Christ who had failed to hear the word of Christ? They, they heard. Faith comes by hearing. 
There's a remnant. Verse 5. The latter part of that. Chosen by grace. This is um, not easy. Okay? This is not easy for us to wrestle with. This is not easy for our minds to grapple with. Everyone who was a Jew then who rejected Christ freely rejected Him. Right? It was not as though those who rejected Him and persecuted Him had this inkling in them that they would pursue Him that God pushed out of them. That is not what happened. Right? They had their hearts set against God. Paul, again, had his heart set against God. The chief of sinners, the persecutor of the early church, he was not pursuing Christ to know Christ. He was pursuing the people of God to destroy them. And in that, on that path, God stepped out in front of him. Now, I would argue that if you look through the book of Acts, you see glimpses, no doubt, who's telling Stephen's story when you see the story of Stephen being written by Luke, a companion of, Christ, of, a companion of Paul. Who do you think told him the story? Why do you think that it is that, that a man named Saul was mentioned being there? Do you think that Stephen's boldness affected Paul in seeing him stand? Do you think that it affected him? Do you think that little by little God was using the gospel that Christ preached first, the gospel that the followers of Christ continued preaching and living to affect the mind of Paul? So that when Paul was going on the road to Damascus, do you think that day one after the resurrection and Paul hears these rumors, and do you think on the way to Damascus that he was the same person day one and on the way to Damascus? Or do you think that God working in his people, in his church, was chipping and chiseling away? And then in that instant, in that instant, he called him to himself. In such a way that Paul was going nowhere except for where God had chosen him to go. Right? His chosen vessel. And God working along the way to get him there. All those who were counted among this remnant believed. All of them. That's the only way that they could be a part of the remnant. Is that they had faith in the thing that was preached to them simultaneously every single one of them was chosen chosen by God before the foundation of the world to be kept just as those who were kept and didn't bow a knee to Baal God kept them there's not one of them not one of that remnant who could have stood up 
and taking credit for their faith. Because there's not one of them who were pursuing God prior to that gospel message being preached to them and that seed of faith growing up. That same thing's true of us. Right? That same reality is true of us. So there was a remnant chosen by grace. But if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. What then? What then, he says? Israel failed to obtain what it was seeking. Why? Why? If we go back, we see that... Uh, Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. But they were not seeking Christ. They were seeking a righteousness, but they were seeking a righteousness based on their own works. Right? So Israel failed. The nation of Israel failed to obtain what it was seeking. If we pursue Christ by any other means than faith alone, yes. Yeah, 100%. But if it's by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. Like there is a fundamental difference between the works that we can produce and the grace that God gives us, right? Like uh, there's an an inseparable chasm between um, what we can do and what God has done. What then? Israel failed. Because they, let's read it. Israel failed to obtain what it was seeking. The elect obtained it. Okay, so those chosen by grace, that remnant. That is also another way that you could say, that you could refer to them as the elect, right? So, um, so too at this present time, there previously... So too at this present time, there is a remnant chosen by grace. That is the elect. The elect obtained it, but the rest were hardened. Again, we've spent some time in this, like um, digging into this idea of hardening. And, and I mean, Paul really spends some time um, in the early chapters of Romans giving us a, a, a great understanding of who we are apart from God. And if God withdraws to us, who we ultimately become we don't become more righteousness if god draws back we become more hardened in who we are right yes yeah Yeah. That is hardening the heart there. Yeah. 100%. So, Israel's hardened. There's a remnant. The elect remain. Now, this is not without this is not without purpose and we're going to we're going to see that here here real quickly. So, um, but the rest were hardened as it is written. Again, he's like he supports everything. God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes that would not see and ears that would not hear down to this very day. Verse 9, David said, Let their table become a snare and a trap and a stumbling block and a 
retribution for them. Let their eyes be darkened so that they cannot see and bend their backs forever. So I ask, verse we're going to stop there. We're going to stop there. Um, so it was, it was told in Scripture that this was going to occur, right? Two places that um, were given here um, from, from the Old Testament where we see, um, again, this, this hardening um, kind of being prophesied um, here. Um, we're not going to go into this, but I, ju- I do want us to, to read it. Um, verse 11 of chapter 11. So I asked, did they stumble in order that they might fall? Because that's what we would think. When we see that the people of Israel have been hardened, like the thing that scares us most about that is like, like what does that mean eternally, right? Because um, we see Pharaoh, and we've been given the example of Pharaoh, um, and ultimately Pharaoh... Like there was, there was much destruction ahead of ahead of him because of his hardened heart. So the question would be: So I ask, do they stumble in order that they might fall? And again, does he like leave us hanging here, or does he give us an immediate answer? the The answer is by no means. Rather, through their trespass, salvation has come to the Gentiles, so as to make Israel jealous. We're going to get into that. Um, next week, in more detail, um, we're going to kind of examine this, this hardening that's taking place um, in the time um, of the early church, and we're going to ask ourselves about um, the, the timeline of that hardening. Is that hardening for the people of Israel forever, or is there, is there a hope for... Um, that hardening to be suspended. I'm going to use that word, right? Um, and I think as we as we consider as we consider this, let's reflect back on chapter 10, verse 17. So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. So if we want to if we want to answer that question, ultimately that question um, will be answered through the preaching of the gospel to the nations, right? Um, so we're going to end there, and then next week we'll uh, hopefully finish up.